Abbott has gone forward with Stewart to the right, Lineker and Howes to the left. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! That is schoolboy's own stuff. Oh, I bet even he can't believe it. Is there anything left from this man to surprise us? That was one of the finest free kicks that this stadium has ever seen. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Hitting the Bar, the football podcast. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. Right, Jeff, let's get going with your trivia question. Okay, there was a cup final on Sunday between Manchester City and Tottenham. That cup final, has, or that competition, has gone by nine different names in its life. What are the nine names? That is a tough one, yeah. Yeah, I bet I can get about six or seven and then I'll falter. We'll find out a bit later on, but first of all, before we get onto that cup final, and I know we have to, last week's podcast, we were full of vitriol and anger and talking about the European Super League. By the time we'd got home and edited it, <laughs> it had all changed. And the European Super League was no longer happening as Tottenham, my team, and uh, Man United, all six English teams, pulled out in quick succession. Yes, and uh, it was interesting that the first two to leave were Chelsea and City, the two teams that weren't in it to make more money. They're in it for reputational reasons, one of Abramovich and one of the the country, the Emirates that's behind uh, Manchester City. So I think that said a lot, and as soon as City made it plain to Perez and his chums that they were leaving, Perez was talking about, you know, oh, it's it's terrible, the Manchester, you know, the problem with the Manchester team. But he seemed to forget that there, there are actually two Manchester teams in his um, European Super League. But Perez seems to be on a... He's, he's still under the impression it's it's all going ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if he's a, a very wily and clever businessman or some, you know, some sort of evil genius, or if he's kind of lost the plot a little bit. First of all, he had this idea that young people were bored with football because it went on too long and he was going to make the matches shorter and at that point I thought "Mm, something not quite right here and now he's saying you can't leave you can't leave like some sort of desperate husband as his wife walks out the door um, looking for better things but financially and legally perhaps he has got a point well it would not be surprising if the contract that these people or let's call it an agreement that these people signed did say if you if you leave you, you have to pay a penalty of 8 million, I think it's euros each. Okay, fine. So the ones who leave pay 8 million each. That's 96 million to be divided among the three who are still there. 30, 32 million each. It's not going to make much of a dent in their, their huge mountain of debt, is it? No, I mean, it is a price I'm sure they're willing to pay. They've got a lot of damage control to do among the fans. We saw a lot of fan protest. A lot of it, of course, did lead to the clubs leaving. Fans still protesting now. And at the cup final as well. Fans have been protesting against the owners for a long time. The Glaziers have faced vitriol from their fans from a long, for a long time at Man United. Levy and ENIC out banners have been flying around Tottenham for a number of years and Cronky out at Arsenal. Yeah, and I'm quite sure the Glazers are, are absolutely heartbroken. <laughs> Having to go to the bank with the billion pounds that they've taken out of Manchester United since they took over, I'm, I'm sure they, they're distraught. I you know, don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, it did make me laugh with the Wanderers fans protesting against the ESL three days after it had all fallen apart. Didn't notice any of them out there protesting before it fell apart. Yeah, there was a thousand of them, which is quite a big crowd for the Woolwich. It has collapsed, more or less. It, it won't go away, I don't think. I'm still a bit surprised that Tottenham and the Woolwich were even in it as a you know this Super Six and Super Super League. I think they kind of 
joined at the last minute. They had FOMO. They had fear of missing out. I, th- I think that's very true. This European Super League actually first came up in 1985. And the then Big Five, who were Liverpool, Manchester United, Tottenham, Arsenal and Want to guess who the fifth was? It was Everton. Everton were in the big five back then. They forced concessions from the Football League and the FA, which earned them more money. And then in 1988, they did exactly the same thing again. And Graham Graham Kelly, then the head of the Football League, called it tawdry and greedy. And a few years later, they were back to force through the English Premier League, all with the threat of leaving to join a European Super League. And there were people, and I was one of them, saying we should let them go because they'll come back with their tail between their legs in five years. And we should have done but we are where we are and what what has surprised me most is the directors of the clubs who didn't know anything about it the directors of Chelsea weren't told until Friday evening Paolo Maldini who's a director at Milan didn't know until it was announced and he learned it off English media outlets not Italian so they did keep this very very secret but it did look completely half-assed it wasn't they hadn't thought it through at all no it does it surprised me that they'd been talking about this for three years and then recently all these as you say very secret zoom meetings between not even the directors but the actual owners plotting let's call it plotting between them yeah but at Chelsea it wasn't the owner Abramovich didn't take part in any of those meetings it was Buck the chairman now obviously Buck was in the meeting because Abramovich had said it was okay to be in the meeting or or even said okay go and find out what it's all about as soon as Abramovich saw it damaging all the all the things that he's been doing he wanted out City it's damaging our reputation, we leave. The rest were in it for the money, and they're the ones who've got the huge problem now, none more so than Real Madrid and Barcelona. Yes, I mean, this whole idea of, of damaging, you know, the community outreach that clubs do, and the brand and the image, they obviously judged it very, very poorly, very, very badly. But you have got these sort of, these corporate bigwigs, these owners plotting, and keeping it quiet from not only just the players and managers and the fans, but yeah, as you say, some of the directors. It's all very, very nasty. And I, I, I mean, I think Tottenham should have not joined they should have refused to join with the then prospect that it could mean the other five clubs leaving the Premier League and Tottenham in with a shout of winning it that should have been their tactic but we know Tottenham and tactics not working so well these days no you'd, you'd have come second in the new in, in the new Premier League Leicester would have won obviously what, one thing that, that's come out of Italy is that the clubs uh, clubs joined together they had meetings to demand punishments of uh, Juventus Inter and Milan and 11 club have signed signed this uh, letter demanding punishment but Napoli and Atalanta refused to sign the letter the sort of revulsion that we feel in in England about this is not shared on the continent in Spain it's not the Spanish people go "Mm, well okay you know it could have been good and in Italy they're ambivalent as well you know we are where we are and any call for punishment is frankly stupid Yes, we all kind of wanted them to be punished because you always want <laughs> you always want the the nasty, dirty capitalist or whatever to be punished. But this isn't you know this isn't a play. It's not a drama. It's real life, and legally you can't punish them because, as you said, they did nothing wrong. Yeah, it's very true. They they did not break any rule, and th- there's been a lot of nonsense published um, online about twenty point deductions and two hundred million pound fines and blah blah blah. But if you look at the rules, they haven't broken any rules. Now there's this this almost fabled rule in the EPL L9 which says if during the season you 
you play in or join competition that's not sanctioned or licensed, let's say, um, then you've committed an offence and you've broken Law L9. But they didn't. They announced an intention to do it, an intention to compete in a competition that does not yet exist. They did not break any rules. Yeah, you say compete, but there's nothing competitive about that Super League, was there? There is another part of the the rules I believe that says that you must not ever do anything that will harm or damage the Premier League but had they stayed in the Premier League they wouldn't have done that apart from we do think that they would have fielded weaker teams Um, but had they left the Premier League then they would have damaged it that's what people are angry about yes but they made it very plain they wanted to stay in the Premier League this was an additional competition and one certainly one of the the presentations they made said it would be carried out in the summer another one said it would be a midweek thing so you know they had planned publicly to stay in the Premier League and again there is also um, it's rule 18c I think that says you have to act with good faith and by by planning a new competition they were acting in bad faith now if I was if I was the lawyer for the the 12 or the 9 or however many would have been left I would say well actually because we announced much much earlier than we'd intended to and we had not actually arranged and set up this competition there were no rules about who would be relegated who would be promoted how it would work they announced way before they were ready that would be proof that actually it was good faith you know we had we hadn't finalized this and yet we presented it to you you know we didn't have a have a chance to have negotiations with you about licensing etc anyone thinking that they could have sanctions and punishments is frankly dreaming Yes, I mean, when you put it that way, and put it in the words of, um, potential words of lawyers and how they would defend it, I almost feel sorry for them now. <laughs> and of, of course, obviously, that's their aim. I don't think any of those six clubs from England expected the backlash that they got from fans. You and I didn't even expect it, even though we are two of them. And on last week's podcast, that's the anger we were expressing. But within hours of recording that podcast, that had been replicated across the country. It wasn't just fans. It was the, the, the whole football community. If you want to, if you want to call it that, but more than that, Boris Johnson sent our am- ambassador to UAE to talk to the Sheikh and say, "Look, we can, we think this is extremely serious, and you should think again." Which is about as bad as you can get in diplomat speak, isn't it? The next thing will be putting the putting a warship in your harbour. Yes, the, the whole Boris Johnson getting involved thing. We won't go down that rabbit hole, um, but obviously he, you know, was on the side of popular opinion, which is always good. And there is talk that he had, he already was getting involved and was for it. Not the first time he's taken two sides in the same arguments. I, w- I would like to, you know, maybe we finish this on on, on this Cronkey for the Woolwich, and this is what he said. This was his apology. Okay, we asked ourselves, what is worse, ESL or ESL without Arsenal? He was asking ourselves, what do the fans want? The global fan wants AFC versus is Barca as often as possible and that's a lie they don't English fans want to see more big matches but you still want your cold nights in Stoke do, do you, anyone else feel as patronised as I feel now what a terrible honestly aside from being dishonest it's just shocking shockingly patronising yeah that's horrible and I'm, I'm sure even Woolwich fans understand that that is a very very patronising and a complete load of bollocks uh, he also said he was up there at a fan forum I mean that was a brave thing to do on Thursday last Thursday and and he was asked the question, you know, have you got an exit strategy? Because 
you know, the, the fans wanted and still want them out. And he said, no, because we have no intention. I, I promise you, we have no intention of leaving, which to me doesn't sound like a promise, but more of a threat. Yeah, and, and as someone who thoroughly dislikes the Wanderers nearly as much as I dislike the red scum from Salford, um, can the Gronkies please stay and, and keep the groundsman, please? Yes, we want the manager to stay in place and we want the owners to stay in place at the Woolwich, although there is talk of Daniel Eck, uh, the multi-billionaire who founded and owns Spotify, buying the Woolwich. Uh, we just hope that doesn't happen. Long may the chaos uh, there ha- uh, continue. It's all going to depend on what is the best way the Cronkies can finance the $5.5 billion white elephant that they built in Los Angeles. You know, if they can get the $2 billion they want, that might be the best step for them. Otherwise, getting the money from the EPL and, I was going to say Champions League, but obviously I was being stupid. Uh, um, if they can take the money from the EPL it's guaranteed income it, it will help them repay the debt on the 5.5 billion I mean that's what all happened during a very short period last week we've had a build up though all week to the Caraboa Cup final the um, League Cup final which uh, took place on Sunday between Manchester City and Tottenham all the talk among Tottenham fans of course was how will Ryan Mason the interim manager 29 year old ex-player set up the Spurs team Spurs during the week beat Southampton 2 one and he was talking about being more positive being more attacking more playing in the Tottenham way and the boys are ready and the boys are this and then the team he put out for the cup final had me thinking well that's that's a Mourinho team on a bad day absolutely he took off uh, a more attacking minded midfielder in Ndombele and replaced him with Harry Winks who is a let me try to think what what does he do he passes the ball back so he replaced him with an essentially defensive midfield player so he, he stayed with the back seven that um, Mourinho has been showing and what what did we end up with you know for long periods it was an entirely one-sided spectacle Harry Kane versus a team that has everything except Harry Kane yes I mean I said to you you and I watched it together and I said to you at one point in the first half it was a bit different in the second we'll come to that I mean the cameraman on the right hand side of the uh, the screen the Man City half probably had nothing to do probably went and got a cup of tea because I said to you it looked like a training session defence defence versus attack because Tottenham were camped in their own half in fact they sat so far back most of them were behind were actually stood behind Lloris they're probably off the pitch they were so far back it was it was very very strange the way Tottenham went about that first half they not only invited City on they almost I mean they didn't invite them round they actually sold them the house it was it was very strange that whole philosophy that Ryan Mason was talking about was not there at all I don't know why Winks was on the pitch I don't know why Bale wasn't I think you go all out in those games and Bale has been five goals in his last five starts 11 or 12 goals for the club in very sporadic appearances and he's a sort of spark you want in a game like that I'm not I'm not even sure Kane should have started the game he looked tired Wink shouldn't have been on the pitch it, it, the, the whole setup was I don't know what he was thinking yeah and, and if you look with, with hindsight City scored very late on so the game was still there to be won until very late on even though Tottenham you know Tottenham were good for 10 minutes in the second half it was a competition for 10 minutes the other 85 minutes it wasn't a competition but given that you're still nil-nil and it's late in the second half wouldn't you want a player on the pitch like 
like Bale, who can create something magical. So m- maybe you think, okay, he can't last 90 minutes on the Wembley turf. I mean, it is very, very heavy, much heavier than, than or softer, let's say, than, than anything else, and it will drain his legs. But surely you want your creative players on there, especially as the game ultimately, at, at only 1-0, was very close. Yes, he, he brought Bale on with 15 minutes to go, which for a player of, we know Bale's capability, but we also know his recovery process and his physicality, his, the problems he has with his body, 15 minutes is not enough for him to get warmed up and get into the game, let alone have an impact. Yeah, and and having seen that uh, City played Cancelo at left back, and Cancelo pushes forward into midfield, into the centre of midfield, because he is right-footed, and he doesn't stay wide left, the area that Bale would have been operating in would have been completely open for him. What Mason did made no sense at all. There was there was nothing down for him doing that. Being a, a, a lower-quality Mourinho was never going to get the job done. If I had, if I were a Tottenham fan, I would much rather they'd gone out, balls out, attacking all the time and lost 5-0. At least there'd be some credit to it. Yes, I, as a Tottenham fan, very disappointed. I've liked everything that Ryan Mason has said in press conferences. He's got an old head on his shoulders. He's very, he's very well-spoken. He understands the game. He's been a player. He's obviously doing his coaching badges, all that. So I was very surprised at that formation. And then bringing Bale on so late and taking Mora off. In that whole game, I think probably Lloris, Alderweireld and Mora were the only players that had a good game for Tottenham, really. Son broke down in tears and it was terrible to see at the end, but his contribution was not great. He had a pretty poor game. In fact, his last five or six games, maybe even more, have not been great. Son has been at the club for eight years, I think. He's 29. He could be another one that's on the move, along with Harry Kane. Maybe we'll talk about that. But the whole team setup was wrong for me, and I would have much preferred if we'd gone gung-ho. Like he's Ryan Mason kept saying, let's play with freedom. Let's. I want them to enjoy it. I want them to be positive. And then he sets up, you know, sort of Mourinho light. As you said, uh, an inexperienced poor man's Mourinho, that was. Go out with Bale, Kane, Son and Mora all together to start with. If you're 3-0 down, then all right, you've made a mistake. But losing 1-0 is the same mistake, isn't it? And the Tottenham fans would have liked to have seen Bale on the pitch for a lot longer. There were 4,000 Tottenham fans there. They would have liked to have seen Bale on the pitch and Tottenham give it a go. And instead, he set up not to lose by too many. Yeah, which which leads us really to what now for Spurs look at Tottenham and four miles to the southwest you have the Woolwich who built a stadium which meant they couldn't spend money on on new players uh, they got rid of an established manager who'd made them overperform over the previous year remind anybody else of Pochettino and, and Tottenham Pochettino left because he'd identified they needed six new players he also gave the list of the players that he wanted out and Levy wouldn't do either of those things and it was cheaper to get rid of Pochettino than to get the six players and get rid of the the ones that that they didn't need and where are they now they've still got to get rid of those six players they've got to pay compensation to Mourinho and his staff they've got to finance getting a new manager and it's Levy has made some terrible terrible decisions in the past few years and Tottenham are on the same road downwards that the Woolwich have been on and are on and the only good news for for Tottenham fans is the Woolwich under the groundsman are are 10th and likely to be 11th if Villa win their game in hand the only bit of light is what the hell's the groundsman done down there I fear a little bit for Tottenham there does seem to be a little bit of a downward spiral possibly we've been saying that for the final year of Pochettino's reign and ever since then and maybe you know we were very very lucky under Pochettino to be made maybe possibly punching above our weight but also those players that need to go three years ago 
ago, when we were qualifying for Champions League and looking quite decent, were younger and better players than they are now. And they've played together for a long time. A lot of them need to go. And as you say, they needed to go a year and a half, two years ago, when Pochettino was still there. They are still here and we still have the same problems. Plus, we now have the problem that Harry Kane could possibly leave now. And he's hung on and he's hung on and he's, he's, he deserves more. Harry Kane deserves more. Yeah, there, there is an assumption that he's going to leave, but we don't know what's in Harry Kane's head. Does he want to leave? Well, one thing is for certain is that this summer is not the time to be leaving. Nobody has got any money. Barcelona and Real Madrid went into that ESL because they could not survive for another two years until the next big increase in Champions League money came along. They Nobody has got any money. Now, the petrodollar clubs, Man City, PSG, they can come up with the money. Chelsea can come up with the money, but they don't have it at the moment. The only team that is basically solvent is Liverpool because they got that 750 million from uh, selling shares three weeks ago now. So they're the only ones who at the moment have the money to buy players. All the other clubs are technically bankrupt. Yeah, so probably nobody can afford to buy Harry Kane. As far as selling him goes, I think he's still got nearly three years left on his contract so they don't have to sell him in terms of contract uh, running out. Maybe, Maybe he will stay. Maybe it depends on what manager will come in. I mean, we said that when Pochettino was sacked um, and he stayed since then. For me, Mourinho, maybe despite himself, did improve the way Harry Kane plays. Maybe it was a natural progression and evolution of his game. So what, who's going to come in? Nagelsmann now looks like he's going to buy Munich, so possibly the favourite is now out of the running for the Tottenham job. Well, the, the one who's the best candidate for me was Nagelsmann, and he's just ruled himself out, so I don't know. OK, so there's no Nagelsmann. Allegri, you mentioned on the Saturday Sports Show we do for... 93.6 Global Radio on the Costa del Sol here. We do a Saturday sports show. You said you can't understand why Allegri's got not been mentioned. Yeah, he's been out, out of work for, well, getting on for two years now. Left Juventus for nearly two years now. And nobody's come in come in for him. Now, there is, uh, there is a question mark against him. He took over from Conte, who had won the title with Juventus for three years in a row. Conte won the title for the first time in seven years for Juventus. So the thought, I think, is is that Allegri just carried on doing what Conte was doing and you, you, you're Juventus, you've got more money than anyone else, you can buy the best players, etc, etc. But, you know, he's won five Serie A's in a row and he's he's not found a club and he wants to come to the Premier League. So that's a question mark for me. So strange that he hasn't been mentioned. There are some nearer to home candidates, I suppose. People are talking very quietly and in possibly tongue-in-cheek about Graham Potter and, and Scott Parker. But neither of those, I think, are ready for the Tottenham job. No, they're not. I think, uh, for me, Eddie Howe is the best candidate. He is just an archetypal Tottenham manager. He'd get Spurs playing the way Spurs fans think Spurs should play. But he's he looks to be inked in for Celtic. Yeah, I mean, they're talking about Mourinho going for the Celtic job as well. So Eddie Howe is one that people in the past did say, and as you're still saying, is a Tottenham-style manager. I'm not convinced with Eddie Howe. One name that has come up is Ten Hag at Ajax, and I'd, I'd I'd be up for that. I think that would be an excellent choice. So we we think Ten Hag should get the job among all those candidates. Yeah, aside from him, you know, consistently playing very good football and getting uh, getting Ajax to Champions League semi-final, and they're always competing, they're always looking good. He develops young players. Think of the the hundreds of millions that Ajax have earned in the last three years from the young players that he brought on. Surely, isn't that what the the thing that Tottenham desperately need? Someone who can attract good players to the club because he's got a good CV, but also someone who's scouting network can find 
good young players. Well, yeah, we'd like to see that at Tottenham. We have got a decent academy, and there are several players out on loan, Oliver Skip being one who's having a fantastic season, who couldn't get into the Tottenham side but need maybe a bit of development. There are several other players, young players. Mourinho put them in, in matchday squads but didn't use them. And I think we need somebody who will develop that and appreciate and understand that side of the game and the club. I think Ten Hag would be a great appointment. But there are others. Brendan Rodgers, would, would he leave Leicester for that job? No, he can't possibly do that again. Le- leave, a, leave a club in a really good position like he did Celtic. You might get away with that once, but you're not going to get away with it again. And then there is uh, Sari. Seems to be. Sari seems to be the bookie's favourite. I just want to add, by the way, that we are recording this on a Tuesday morning. And by the time I've edited it and it's gone out and you're listening to it, this position may have been filled. But I probably think it's going to go on till the summer. Um, I think it will go on until the summer. Sari would be a very bad appointment. Tottenham fans will think, what happened the last time we got a Chelsea reject and VS Boash? It didn't work well. I don't think this will work well either. I don't think Sari has done enough to convince the players that he's the man and he's not a big enough name to attract the players that Tottenham think they need. Before we move on to have a look at some of the games that happened over the last week, there's one more candidate that people, well, several more candidates, but one I just want to mention very quickly that people, and some Tottenham fans are thinking that might not be bad, is Leeds United's manager, Bielsa. I can't see that working at all. I, I think on on sort of morality grounds, he wouldn't go. And in terms of how hard his teams work, I think would the Tottenham players sign up for that? I I don't think so. No, he, he's a he's like a, a loose cannon. He's a complete one-off, and I couldn't see him at a team like Tottenham. No, no. As I say, you know that people are talking about it. I can't see it. I I can't believe that Levy appointed Mourinho and stood for Mourinho. It didn't seem like a Tottenham appointment. Bielsa only signs one year at a time. The players wouldn't put up with that training schedule. Um. So no, not Bielsa. Let's hope for. Well, let me hope for Ten Hag then. Yeah, I think Ten Hag would be a very very good appointment, and and it's a logical step forward for him too. Um. Of course he. <laughs> won't be able to play in the Champions League anymore but there we are oh very droll we'll move on <laughs> last weekend alright Tottenham lost the cup final it was only 1-0 and as you kept telling me that League Cup doesn't matter so um, no big deal <laughs> but there were other games the Woolwich lost at home probably my highlight of the weekend to Everton 1-0 it was an own goal and the groundsman as we like to call the manager complaining about VAR and papering over the cracks and yet still as you said no one is saying Arteta out well well, the, the, the only journalist who's, who's pointing out what is obviously happening there, which is not very much, there's certainly no progress under him, is Nicky Bandini in The Guardian. And there is no progress under him. What on earth has he done in the time he's been there? He took a team and a squad that finished fifth in the Premier League and lost the uh, the Vars, European Vars final. There has been no progress. He, he's likely to finish 11th or 10th, um, so actually they've gone backwards a lot. Now, I'm, I'm very happy. I hope Groundsman stays at the Woolwich and I hope this carries on for quite a long time with, with Gronke there stopping them buying any decent players. It's, it's a fact. The same players finished fifth under Emery and Emery was deemed to be not good enough. What has the groundsman done in the nearly two years that he's been there? Yeah, I mean, fifth to a possible eighth, ninth, tenth finish is pretty bad. I think, you know, for, in terms of, I think Tottenham are going to finish sixth and West Ham will finish seventh and then there'll be Everton or whoever else. And then the Woolwich... 8th, ninth, 10th? That's terrible considering, as you say, they finished 5th before and yet just that one journalist that you mentioned there is the only one saying that 
you know what is going on. This is terrible. I don't I don't get it. I don't I don't see how Mourinho came under so much minute investigation and analysis, and there seems to be this sort of blasé attitude to uh, to him to Arteta. Yeah, uh, if you cast your mind back to when he was appointed, um, Emery was got rid of because he couldn't get the best out of that really great squad, that great squad of players, and he couldn't get the best out of them. He could only finish fifth. Didn't make Champions League. Now those same journalists, exactly the same people, are saying, "Oh, there's a big rebuilding job there because the players aren't good enough." They're the same players, except for Uzzel, who's left, and Ganduzi, who is only out of it because the groundsman doesn't like him. But Ganduzi's a good player, and he should be playing for them. It all comes down to him. But the the journalists are just giving him a complete free pass. It's extraordinary. If any other manager had had done as badly as the groundsman has done, it would be Arteta out. But it isn't, and you have to ask why. Yeah, it's very, very strange. Um, if they do actually come to their senses and get rid of him, I hope we get Ten Hag and they get sorry. Uh, but it'd probably be the other way around, knowing my luck. On Saturday, Newcastle got a late goal to equalise one all with Liverpool at Anfield. Liverpool really were thinking they got the three points there. Well, it's not entirely true, is it? Um, they got Newcastle got two goals to equalise. The first one was ruled out by VAR for, for handball, which is the most... It wasn't the most stupid decision over the weekend but it was the second most stupid um, there was no way in the world that Wilson could possibly have got his arm out of the way of that ball you'd have to move faster than Superman to do that that was a goal and it was chalked off but the jonglers came back and got another one and equalised and thoroughly deserved it aside from you, you cannot say that there were two goals there because if they got the first they wouldn't have got the second and 1-1 one, one was a fair result but Liverpool they're not looking good in matches against the bottom six clubs this season they've got five points out of 18 that's where they're falling short the performances against the bottom clubs they're not convincing at all and you 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 got a little dig in there talking about Tottenham finishing above West Ham of the teams chasing that fourth place West Ham have got by far the easiest running by far yeah that is the the only thing I mean because I do think I do think Tottenham should finish above West Ham but you have got a decent running yeah Let's look at your team then. West Ham nil, Chelsea won, but it's not the result that angers West Ham fans. And I think people who understand football, because there was a, a yet another shocking decision by the referee and VAR. Yeah, Balbuena went to clear the ball, cleared the ball, and Chilwell had thrown himself in and got caught in Balbuena's follow-through. And the referee, having been told to go and look at it on, on the screen, came back and rewrote the rules of football. <laughs> now you can be sent off for kicking the ball. And they somehow decided that he'd he'd done something wrong it was dangerous in some way but if you look at it he kicked the ball and that's all he did I honestly thought when they went to VAR that they were going to see whether to book Chilwell or send him off because his challenge was reckless there's no question about that and yet they end up sending off a player so now you can be sent off for kicking the ball the referee rewrote the rules of football yes it was uh, I was going to say harsh but actually it was just plain wrong I don't think it affected the result of the game. It did show the the problem with David Moyes playing that back seven again against a team that has struggled to score. Why why did he do that? Why not put on the extra midfield attacking midfielder and go for the win? Chelsea have struggled to score goals. They're not scoring as many as as you know as they should given the percentage of the ball that they have. So they're there to be taken. So you attack them. I'd much rather lose three nil attacking them than lose one nil going. Oh well, you know it's all going to be very difficult and and we should you know we should we shouldn't take any risks you're going to lose for fuck's sake attack yeah it was the same with um, 
Tottenham and Ryan Mason. Why just, just go for it, for God's sake. Wolves were at home to Burnley this weekend. And I think we all thought, yeah, apart from you, we all thought, well, Wolves have had a pretty poor season, but they should beat Burnley or get something out of it. And you've been saying for weeks, Burnley will win this, they need this. Every week when they don't, you say, <laughs> you say, well, they're not following my instructions. But this week you got it right. Well, I think this, this week they read the memo, yeah. Um, no, I, I have said for five weeks that it's got to come good for them sometime. And this was the week that it did. You, you can always be right if you say every day it's going to rain. <laughs> you are going to get it right sometimes. No, no, they, look, they look very good. And th- this is the issue for Burnley. They always have a period in the, in the season where they're very good and they rack up the points and they have long periods where they don't, they don't get any points. But the, the performance against Wolves was very good. But you do have to say the Wolves players were, had their minds on the beach. Well, they're not allowed to go to the beach anymore are they but you know they, they had their minds on their holidays it was not a good performance by Wolves no I think a lot of uh, Wolves fans were very disappointed in the application and attitude like we said you can lose a football match as long as you give it a go and try and win or do something there were two draws as well on Sunday Leeds United nil Man United nil in the bar where we watched the League <laughs> Cup final it was full of Leeds fans you'd think they'd won 4-0 but it was only nil nil. and Aston Villa 2 West Brom 2 unlucky for West Brom I think really yeah the question is where's this West Brom team been for the whole of the season you know the, the team that's played in the last three weeks is a good football team where have they been it's, it's extraordinary and you, you say that again our bar was was full of Leeds United fans apart from where we were sitting the two guys to our left were Manchester United fans one guy you know I asked him what he thought of Solskjaer and he just pointed up at the screen and said you see he said this is it this is why he's no good as a manager you cannot beat Bielsa playing Bielsa ball and that's what that's what Solskjaer set out to do you can't beat Leeds United playing like Leeds United they're better at it because they practiced it all season and Manchester United's players are better they're worth a lot more money they should play their game and invite Bielsa to stop and I, I think Bielsa must have been thrilled that the way that Solskjaer set out Manchester United to play and Fernandez was just well he was, he was not a factor at all Phillips did a very good job of, of marking him man to man and taking him out of the game so it was it was not good by Solskjaer at all and it cost them two points you know, Manchester United should beat Leeds, let's be honest. Yeah, they really should. Uh, th- I think this is something we've seen, and something maybe we can discuss on the next podcast, is the difference between certain managers. Pep Guardiola's Man City always play like Man City. Bielsa's Leeds have a Leeds style, no matter who they're playing, be it Rochdale in the Cup or, or Man City, they go out and play their own way. Ryan Mason set up Tottenham as a reaction to Man City rather than let's go out and beat Tottenham. David Moyes does the same. Yeah, this this soft block which um, Mourinho and Moyes use, it, inviting the opposition to attack you, it is, well, I mean, it's nearly 20 years out of date. And if you're going to beat Manchester City, you've got, you've got to beat the press and get the ball behind them. And if you look at Tottenham's team, particularly with Son on the left and Bale on the right, they're set up to do it. If Tottenham had played their game against City, it would have been much better to watch and they would have stood a chance of, of doing something. Playing, oh no, we've got to bring on the extra defender to, to d- protect ourselves and step back an extra five yards because we, we keep the game in front of us so we can see. That's rubbish. City just going to pass the ball around you as, as they did for 80 minutes of the match. It just it just looked like a training match. It was ridiculous. All right, let's have a look at what's coming up. Uh, this Friday, Southampton are at home to Leicester. Hasselhutl is another manager that people have 
in jest almost, suggested for Tottenham, but they're not having a good season. And Leicester look like they just keep going. I think that's the thing about Leicester. They just kept going, yes. The, the, the second half was um, yesterday wasn't materially better than the first half. They just kept doing what they're doing to do what Leicester do. They, they've lost, what what is it, six or seven players from the, the, the title-winning team and replaced them with players that are just as good. All of a sudden, with Iheanacho scoring goals, the future without Vardy starts to look a lot better for them. They look very good and they're going to get third place. So they played last night, Big Palace. They've got Southampton, as I said, on Friday. They're away, but I don't think it'll hold any fears for them. No, Southampton look to have given up, don't they? It's not helping Hazen Huddle's re- reputation at all because you look at their you know, last four weeks' results and it's terrible. So we're going for a Leicester win. Right, on Saturday, we've got Crystal Palace are at home to Manchester City. I expect a, a Man City win. I don't think you're going to disagree. No, I, I think Palace might score if Zaha has a good game attacking the, the City right-back position. They might. So let, let's say they, they do really, really well and they'll lose 3-1. Yeah, maybe they'll learn something from having watched Tottenham. Uh, Brighton are at home to Leeds. Yeah, I think Leeds are going to win that 2-0. And then here's a, well, could be an interesting one. Um, it is a derby. Chelsea against Fulham. You couldn't get much closer than that, in terms of geography at least. No, you couldn't. Um, Chelsea, Chelsea are actually based in Fulham, by the way. I'd, I'd be I'd be amazed if Fulham got anything at all out of that game and 2-0, maybe 3-0 to Chelsea. Yeah, uh, like I said, geographically they're very close, but in terms of quality and position in the league, they're miles apart. Uh, Everton against Aston Villa. Everton still pushing West Ham and... Tottenham for a European place. Yeah, but they can't win at home. Oh, draw. 2-2 two, two draw. All right. Uh, Newcastle against Arsenal. That is the Jonglers against the Woolwich. 2-1 to the Jonglers. I would love to see that. Newcastle have been on a heck of a roll lately. Uh, this is a big one. Man United against Liverpool. I'll say 2-1 Liverpool. I think I'm going to go for the draw for that one. Suddenly they've come good. They've been relegated. They've come good. Sheffield United are away at Tottenham. I mean, we've got to win that. Got to win that. He can't hold any fear out for that one. He can play an attacking team. Yeah, he's not Gareth Southgate playing San Marino, is he? So, um, yeah, I mean, it should be at least 2-0 to, to, to the Spuds. All right, you're going for 2-0 Tottenham. West Brom against Wolves. Is this the one where Wolves can send West Brom down, their local rivals? You'd have to think after Wolves' last three performances that there's got to be a, a fight back now. I mean, Nuno's got to get them playing. So, yes, uh, yeah, Wolves win 2-1. And then you said Burnley have a little bit of a good run of games every season, and you said that West Ham had got a good run in. West Ham are away at Burnley. Yeah, typical. We, we, we play them when they're playing well. But um, Liverpool have got Burnley as well in their run in, so will West Ham concede goals? Yes, they'll concede at least one. Will they score? No, I'm going to say Hammers will win 2-1. I think that's a good shout. I'd hate to see it. That's about all it. Let's wrap it up with your trivia question and the answer. I asked, can anyone know all the names that the cup that was played for on Sunday has gone by and those name there were nine names and they are the league cup milk cup Littlewoods Cup, Rumbelow's Cup, Coca-Cola, Worthington Cup, Carling, Carabao, and the one which I didn't get when I was asked is the Capital One Cup, the one everyone forgets. But also, most people forget Coca-Cola Cup as well. Nine names there. League Cup, Milk, Littlewoods, Rumbelow's, Coca-Cola, Worthington, Carling, Capital One, and Carabao, whatever a Carabao is, I don't know. I thought it was some sort of big moose in Canada. but Yeah, I mean, that's, that's incredible. I think Worthington and Coca-Cola, I, I think I'd have definitely struggled with. There we are. That is all we've got time for. I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. And that was Hitting the Bar, the football podcast.